1: What's going on, my friends? This episode of the show is brought to you by Indochino. And when you look good, you feel good. If you follow me on Instagram, you've seen some of the suits I've been rocking. Made to measure is the way to go, baby. And Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. They make suits, shirts, coats, everything else. And it's all made to your exact measurements so it's a proper fit. When you have to wear a suit, if you have to wear a suit, when you buy one off the rack, it looks like you bought one off the rack because everybody, everybody's body is different and the ones off the rack don't quite fit properly. Indochino's process is simple. You choose the fabric, you pick your customizations, you submit your measurements, boom! Two weeks later, your custom suit arrives at your door. You can get measured and design your suit at your nearest Indochino showroom or you can do it all yourself online at indochino.com. And right now, you can get 30 bucks off your total purchase of 399 or more at indochino.com when you enter the code bluewire at checkout. Plus shipping's free. So there you go. It's indochino.com. Promo code is bluewire. You'll get 30 bucks off your total purchase of 399 or more. It's an incredible deal. It's an incredible suit and you're going to look so good, my friends. Now you really have no excuse. To wear clothing that doesn't fit. Hit the show intro. It's chris mania brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man. Look a the powerful questions. Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Yep, yep, yep. Here we go, my friends. Thank you for tuning in. To the Chris Van Fleet Show. This episode's brought to you by Indochino, Harry's, and Roman, and there is so much more to Michael Elgin than just being an exceptionally large human being. Uh, you've heard of a 4x4, you know, like in construction? You've heard of a 4x4? Well, Big Mike's like a 5x5. I guess more like a 510x510, but you get the point. He is a wide man. Wide man. He's also a wise man. You'll see in this interview, but he's a wide man. And we actually grew up with a a, kind of a similar path. Uh, Grew up 15 minutes away from each other. Just outside of Toronto. I was in a town called Pickering, Ontario. He was uh, just east of there in a town called Oshawa or the dirty schwa as we called it. Oh, yeah. If you're from the Durham region, you know what I'm talking about, the dirty schwa. Uh, He's three years younger than me, but we both trained at the same wrestling school, the Squared Circle in Toronto, Ontario. Uh, He completed his training, went on to have the career that he is currently having. I stopped my training after a few months to focus on college, getting my degree in communication studies then my broadcasting career. Um, but yeah, it's interesting that our paths uh, kind of were woven into each other. Uh, a lot of the same. I, I was a ring announcer for him a few years after he completed training in Toronto. So it's interesting. We get into all of that. But uh, first, I want to thank you for being part of the show. And part of the show every single week. Uh, I'm actually looking to drop the show on the same day every single week. So uh, hit me up on Twitter. Hit me up on Instagram. Let me know which day you think that should be. I'm thinking... I'm thinking Thursday, um, but let me know what works best for you. Also, thank you for subscribing. Thank you the, for the reviews on Apple Podcasts, like uh, this one here from John Fun, who titles this Humility is a Superpower. By the way, I'm going to keep reading one of these every single show, so keep them coming. I appreciate it. John Fun says, you can ask questions to get answers, but this is not what's being done by Chris Van Vliet. These interviews, about an hour long, are rooted in being able to have a humble and transparent conversation with the person he's interviewing. These interviews cover all aspects of life, the good, the bad, the downright rock bottom times. And if you're looking for interviews with substance and information that's relatable, then you are in the right place. This is like diving into the deep end of the pool because there's nothing shallow involved on this show. Wow. Thank you. That might be the nicest thing someone has written about the show. Jeez. And if you if you haven't written a review yet and you're thinking of writing one, man, the bar has been set very high now. Thank you for that. Also, thank you to Samson Technologies for the mics and audio equipment that we use to make us sound so crisp and clear. Head to SamsonTech.com. You can see their full lineup there. Also, thank you to Green Roads for sponsoring the show. A big thank you to them. Uh, I know a lot of you have heard about CBD over the last little while. You've heard me talk about it quite a bit. I've had a lot of tweets from you guys asking questions. Some, someone tweeted me recently and said, hey, is there THC in it? um thc by the way is the thing the ingredient in cannabis that gets you high Uh, the answer is no green roads does not have thc in it Um, if cbd oil is made properly it should not have uh, thc in it Uh, unfortunately though a lot of cbd products are not made properly that hemp extraction process doesn't quite remove it all but green roads is a pharmacist founded company they have the lab results to back it up and for me I mean, the results are very wide ranging depending on who you are and, you know, what's going on in your life. But for me, it's been a lot of like, it's kind of helping like center things. Uh, You know, I've got a lot of different things going on in my life. I'm diving into entrepreneurial ship. That's not a word, but entrepreneurship, that's the word. Um, And it kind of just helps to go, all right, you've got all these different things going on, all your brains going all these different ways. Here you go. This has just kind of helped you to focus a little bit. Also, uh, recovery after the gym has been really good. The CBD oil under my tongue, the topicals like the muscle and joint relief cream have really helped. And I know you see a lot about CBD, but if you're going to try some CBD products, uh, try Green Roads because they are a pharmacist founded company and uh, they are the best. Use my code Chris15. You'll get 15% off your order at greenroadsworld.com. Chris15, you get 15% off at greenroadsworld.com. So Michael Elgam is nothing short of a force to be reckoned with. Um, the intro to this interview on YouTube just shows how much of a beast he is. His chest. His chest is so big it's like a shelf. He can balance a shaker cup like you know like you would shake protein up he can balance a shaker cup on top of his chest uh yeah they call him big mike for a reason uh but aside from his mass and his size he's a hell of a worker um really found his footing in ring of honor also in new japan but he has a new home now in impact wrestling and he's tearing it up Uh, we cover everything in this interview and if you're not familiar with a lot of big mike's work Uh, You're going to want to look up so many of his matches after hearing this. So please enjoy this chat with Big Mike, Michael Elgin. And every time I see you, I I forget how large you are in person. Well, uh, they call me Big Mike for a reason. Yeah, no, no, there's, (laughs) and it makes perfect sense. But, uh, and it's funny because I remember you wrestling, you know, we both grew up very close to each other. I'm from Pickering. You're from Oshawa, like 15, 20 minutes away. I grew up watching you wrestle in the indies, like blood, sweat, and ears. I was your ring announcer, yeah. I think, a few times. Yeah. yeah, I think so. It's crazy. This is all coming, like, full circle.
0: Yeah, you know, uh, I, wrestling is one of those weird things where... You kind of, everything just goes back around to the beginning. If you stick around in wrestling or around wrestling, you always kind of meet back up. And I think that's one of the big things, you know, I always hear, like, be careful how you treat people on the way up because they're the same people you pass on the way down and stuff. Because you literally, in wrestling, you really, really run into people so many times throughout your career that you just, you want to... have a good rapport with everybody and make sure that you treat people with respect so that when this happens, it's not like, oh, look at that dickhead. <laughs> right?
1: so. so you're like 15 years into your career.
0: Uh, November 14th is 16 yeah. years since I had my first match. That's insane. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a long time. It's
1: like you've you've been wrestling half your life.
0: Uh, 100%. I've been wrestling half my yeah. life. And if you, count, if you uh, count training as well, uh, it's over half my life because my first day in a training school, I was 14 years old.
1: Which is, I, I don't even know how it's legal in Ontario. Uh, okay, so the first <laughs> wrestling school I went Uh-oh. to was really shady, okay?
0: okay? it was I was like at a WWE event at Sky Dome, and a flyer got handed to me, and it was like two-week summer pro wrestling camp, ages 14 and up. I'm like, well, I'm 14. I have to go to this.
1: And you can learn how to be a wrestler in yeah. two weeks? Yeah. Wow. Well, well,
0: it was like an introductory camp, okay. right? Um, so I did the camp, and then after, I'm like, oh, I'd really like to – train here still and he's like oh 75 bucks a month I go, oh, 75 bucks a month I'm a dishwasher at a local restaurant like 75 bucks a month is nothing <laughs> like, yeah. of course I'm gonna come here um, the only thing was I had to take a go train from Oshawa to Burlington twice a week to do that
1: which by the way is very far yeah,
0: yeah. it's not far if you're driving now that I'm older and it's really it's like Maybe an hour and fifteen minutes if you're driving. But if
1: you're doing it all the time, yeah,
0: on a go train too. It's for, you know you stop in Toronto at Union Station for a half hour sometimes, yeah. and then have to go all the way to Burlington. That's like the last stop. It used to be. I think they've extended it. It's been so many years since I've had to use a go train in Canada. Man. But it used to be the very last stop we get so off you're, at. So
1: you're you're training at fourteen. I don't think you can wrestle in Ontario till you're eighteen. You're, then you're right. But see, this was the way around it.
0: <laughs> so. Even after the two-week camp, like I technically had my first match after two weeks of training. What? Yeah, hold on. So so the whole deal of the camp was, this is how he made his money, right? The camp was all of us paid. I couldn't tell you how much it was. It might have been 250 500 I don't remember the price, but sure. whatever. I did this two-week camp, and then after, we did like a show for the for the students, for the camp students, and like you invited your family. But because we were underage, you couldn't charge them ticket prices, but oh. you could charge them a membership fee. For the training school, which was ten bucks a month, but there was only one show a month anyway, so they were still buying a ten dollar ticket, and that was the way he got around the commission then. Wow. And like after two weeks, I went back and watched the match because I have it on VHS tape, and like I wasn't bad, but. I wasn't bad for somebody who trained for two weeks, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like no way was I good, but I wasn't bad for somebody two weeks. And I think because I was like the only one that did that two week camp that watched wrestling before the camp, like everybody else maybe watched it for maybe that year. and was like, Oh, this sounds like a great idea, but I'd watched it literally all my life. So when they were like, do you know a body slam? I'm like, of course I know a body slam. Like I've watched wrestling forever. And then there's other kids like, how do you pick somebody up for body slam? I'm like, I've never been shown this, but I can definitely pick you up in a body slam. So like, that was how it all started. So, technically, if you want to count that match, but I don't, I count my first real match in Michigan when I was 16 uh, in 2003, but uh, if you count that, I technically started my career in 2001.
1: At 14, were you still built like a human bowling ball like uh, this? So,
0: I was I was definitely thicker than everybody else at 14, but up until 13, I was like 300 pounds of fat. Okay. So, up till then, I was like 300 pounds of fat, and then I went to high school, one, obviously... You know, you're a fat kid, you're going to get picked on a little bit. But number two, I knew right then that first year when I think it was the summer before going into grade nine, actually. But still, it was like, I need to diet. And I actually went on like the Atkins diet when I was 13 and stayed on it for like an entire year and got down to like 190 pounds. Wow. But I was working out at the same time too. So I think that like accelerated the the loss of the weight but it also gave me some muscle so like at 14 i definitely didn't look like a normal 14 year old because i went from 300 pounds of fat to 190 pounds of muscle
1: did you have the sweet mullet back then too no
0: uh the sweet mullet was much (laughs) earlier uh than that um i actually started growing long hair then because i knew if you want to be a wrestler yeah you had to have long hair you had to work out and that was pretty much it
1: but you did have the mullet throughout, you know, a lot of
0: your career. I, d- I did. And the reason why was because I was a huge Dr. Dusty Williams fan. And okay. it always looked like he had a mullet. So I was like, I'm definitely gonna cut out a mullet. And no, at the time nobody had a mullet. So I was like, maybe that's something that can stand out. So I definitely did have the mullet for a while. <laughs> so
1: you found a home now in Impact Wrestling. Yep. You could you could have landed, you know, anywhere. You could have stayed in Japan. What made impact, you know, make sense for you? Well, I
0: felt like I had done everything that I was going to be allowed to at this point in my career in New Japan. Meaning sometimes, you know, and and I've said this before and people took it as derogatory and it's not, not to New Japan, not to the talent, but it's one of those places where when a new toy comes, uh, that's what they're fixated on. You know what I mean? It's like a kid who has all these toys and then somebody brings a new toy to the play. Like that's the new toy for a couple months. After that, he might go back to the original Toys, and that one lost its meaning to him. But New Japan was a lot like that. And for a lot of the guys that they did that with, like Moxley, for instance, and I wasn't there when he came in, but he came in and won the U.S. Championship, obviously he's going to attract a lot of fans because of his run in WWE um, and he's very popular and he's very talented and there's no doubt that you shouldn't put that platform but the thing is anybody who comes into that position often gets that treatment right, right? like El right. Fantasmo came in he won the Super Juniors he was the new toy you know what I mean so they do that with these guys no matter no matter what and I was like man sometimes they forget like I've been here and I was that guy, but I'm still that guy. Like, I came into the 2015 G1 with no plans moving forward. And by the second last night of the G1, they're like, oh, I think you want we want you to come back to Tag League and tag with Tanahashi. I'm like, what? And he's like, yeah, yeah, like team with Tanahashi. I go, no, I know what you said, but like Tanahashi's your superstar. Like, he's the biggest baby face. And you brought me in as a heel. They're like, yeah, Japanese people love you. Like, I think you're going to team with our biggest baby face. I'm like, uh, okay. So, like, I was in that position. So. Yeah. As a performer, you're definitely not going to say anything about that. But in the same token, I'm like, I'm still, I'm actually better than the wrestler I was in 2015. And I just felt like I was wasting, I was treading water. You know what I mean? I got some opportunities, but not enough. Yeah. And then I was like, you know, I think it's time to make a move. And if I ever want to go back to Japan, I think that door will be open because I am successful here. And luckily, I've connected with the fans. And I just sat back and I watched. Man, I'm probably in a matter of a month. I watched a year of TV of like every wrestling company, and I was like, I love Impact Wrestling. They really focus on the sport of it. You know, there's a couple things like the Rosemary and uh, Sue Young storyline that's a little out there, mm-hmm. but for the most part, the women, the men are all fighting for a chance at the championship. And to me, in any kind of sport, you know, if you're a basketball player, you want to win the NBA finals. Yeah. If you're a hockey player, you want to win the Stanley Cup. Sure. If you're a football player, you want to win the Super Bowl. And wrestling, if you're a wrestler, I think you should want to win the championship. And I felt that their TV, their focus was on that. Even though there was like these sub things that people are fighting about, if you win that, they automatically go, well, I want to be champion. And to me, that talks about the sport of wrestling. And as somebody who excelled their career in japan and was always a fan of japanese wrestling that sport aspect is what i crave and what i want like when i when i wanted to be a wrestler growing up it wasn't it wasn't i didn't want to be hulk hogan um i didn't want to say brother i didn't want all the showmanship i wanted to be at that time you know randy savage or ricky steamboat or the british bulldogs or the rockers and then moving forward i wanted to be the bret hart or the Shawn michaels and then I watched Japanese wrestling. I wanted to be the Kabashis and the Masawas of the world. So, like, I always wanted that athleticism and that sport aspect. And I really thought that Impact was the best place that was putting that in the forefront.
1: I'm loving this chat with Big Mike. Hope you are, too. Quick time out to thank our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Harry's. And humans have been shaving for thousands of years. And the secret to a great shave, I mean, it really hasn't changed much. The ancient Greeks didn't need flex balls or heated handles, and neither do you. That's why Harry's doesn't overcharge for gimmicky features that they add to their razors. They focus on delivering what actually matters when you're shaving, sharp, durable blades at a fair price. And in my last TV job, it was like mandatory that I had to be clean shaven on TV every single day. And I'm one of those guys who likes to let the stubble grow in a little bit, like two, three, maybe four day growth. And I got an email from my boss, and she says, hey, you're going to be clean shaven on the show tomorrow, right? And I'm like, well, yeah, I'm going to have to start shaving every day. I don't want this to cost a fortune. That's actually when I started with Harry's. It's quality, durable blades. I mean, it's two bucks a blade. And they've cut out the middleman because they manufacture their blades in a German blade factory that's been honing precision for a century blade refills are delivered directly to your door on schedule whether or not you have a, s- a subscription and there's no risk so if you don't like the razors let them know they'll give you a full refund and if you listen to the chris van Bleed show you can redeem a harry's trial set at harrys.com slash blue white you'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip five blade razor with lubricating strip and trimmer blade rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated, and a travel blade cover to keep your razor dry and easy to grab on the go. So go to harrys.com slash bluewire so you can start shaving better. Now, it's also brought to you by Roman, and talking about erectile dysfunction is not easy. I mean, guys are usually like, "Yeah, it's fine, everything's okay, I just, I, I lost my mojo, or, ah, you know, I just had a really long day at the But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real doctor who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, it's safe, and it's totally discreet. And with Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your own home. The doctor will work with you to find the best treatment plan, and if medication is appropriate, Roman's going to ship it to you with two-day free shipping. The whole process is straightforward, it's simple, and most of all, it's discreet. Getting started is super simple. Just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire and you can complete your online visit there. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. You can get a complete online visit today and connect with a doctor and take care of all of this without the awkwardness of a doctor's office. So just go to GetRoman.com slash BlueWire to get a free online visit and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash blue wire for a free visit to get started get Roman.com slash blue wire and then when you debuted you were right into the title picture
0: yeah you know i, I lucked out um i had known scott demore for years being from canada i had known don Callis and got to know him very well because one we are both canadian and for whatever reason you're in a foreign country like Japan and you see another Canadian and you just kinda of strike up a conversation, yeah. become friends. It's true. But he was uh he was the commentator in New Japan and we just got a rapport and he really enjoyed commentating my matches and when he knew that I was looking for something else he was like well we'd love to have you at impact as me and scott and when he brought that up i was like okay you know that's obviously a possibility and then that's when i went back and watched everything and it was just amazing and then coming in you know they had high hopes because they had seen how how one how hard i worked and how important everything is to me and i they've seen me live wrestling 24 7 because even before coming here you know don would ask me a question or i'd be asking him questions and we text all the time just about wrestling. And he's like, what are you doing? It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I'm like, oh, I'm watching some tape because I couldn't sleep. And he's like, oh, my God, Jeez. what are you doing? Like, So he just knew that i that's all I cared about yeah. outside of obviously my, my family obligations and everything. But wrestling like wrestling's a true passion and something I love so much that I think they saw that I could do something at the top of the card here.
1: Well, and you can match up physically with the current champion, Brian Cage. And I think that's obviously very important yeah for sure i I think
0: that is definitely definitely a factor and i think i i'm much different than everybody on the roster in the sense of how i i wrestle so i think that also gave them a different feel of what brian cage was up against you know i know he did some stuff with killer cross um prior to me coming in and you know killer cross is a is, is a very physical opponent And uh, Large, but I just feel that his style offers something much different than mine. And it was going to give Brian a much different test than what he had had before I got here.
1: Did you feel like when you were coming up in the Indies, you know, in and around the Toronto area and the northern United States, did you feel like you would hit a wall where you're like, I should be getting these breaks? I'm seeing some of my friends getting these breaks and I'm not getting them. You know what? Um, No. And, And the only reason I say that is... When
0: I came up, my friends weren't getting brakes because in Canada, it was almost like a black hole. Mm. Um, so when I was coming up, I was actually getting a lot of the brakes that they didn't solely because I was willing to drive. Um, wow. Yeah. like That's all it took. honest to God. So this is going to and maybe it might have happened differently. So, for instance, um, myself and another wrestler, Ashley Six, who you had said you kind of.
1: I yeah, uh, no. had some training experience with. Yeah, I, I became great. He was known as Ash at the time. Yes. I became yeah. great friends with him through MSN Messenger. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: But we would hop in a car and like... We would just drive everywhere. I mean, that's how my first match ended up being in Detroit. I heard him talking to the training school, and he's like, uh, what time are we meeting this weekend? I'm like, I'm, I'm sorry. I overheard you guys saying you're going to Detroit. Like, I'd love to come if possible. They're like, yeah, I'll hop in the car. Wow, I yeah. didn't know I could even wrestle because I was 16 in Ontario. We had the athletic commissioner showed up, and they're like, uh, the four of you are together? Yeah, go have a four-way. I'm like, oh, shit, okay. <laughs> like, I took gear because I knew better, but I didn't think I was actually going to wrestle. But we just drove everywhere, and then I remember in 2006 he got an opportunity to go to Minnesota for a weekend and he asked me if I wanted to go I said of of course right Uh, we drove up I ended up wrestling BJ Whitmer and Jimmy Jacobs that weekend and because they enjoyed wrestling me they had put in a word at IWA Mid-South Ian Rotten called me brought up me and Ash we wrestled there for a couple years there I met Delirious Delirious took over the booking of Ring of Honor I contacted Delirious he said come do this tryout I got a job there Through Ring of Honor, I met New Japan and got a job in New Japan. Through New Japan, I met Don Callis, and then I came to Impact. So, like, (laughs) it's weird. My career path could have had that same route without making the drives, without doing that stuff, but then I know people who started before me, during my time, or shortly after, who never had that drive to just get out there and appear at shows, whether it was going – Eight hour drive one way to set up chairs and to introduce himself to somebody to not get booked to drive eight hours back home. Yeah. And they're still in Ontario, not doing anything with their career. Well, I
1: think the thing is, you made the commitment. You went all in on wrestling. And yeah. I think a lot of people go, Wrestling's that thing I do Friday to Sunday, but I got to focus on this job because that pays the bills. Yeah. Yeah. And, and
0: again, I, I was lucky that I started so young that I still had my family around to help me out. <laughs> um, and it's not for everyone like as running a wrestling school I tell my students I go this is my career path now I know nobody here is 14 or 16 and I know you all have bigger responsibilities but know that it's going to take at least you know on a Friday instead of your buddies from college wanting to go out you're gonna have to go to a show with somebody in the school that is booked to introduce yourself and I definitely had a lot of possibilities due to being so young and I still had a family there to support I mean I was working part-time jobs the whole time don't get me wrong and I had my own money But if I was ever in real danger of like not having money or let's say a car broke down, you know at 16 You don't really have enough money if your car breaks down in the States to pay for it. So luckily I still could reach out to my family and do that kind of stuff. And that, that wasn't something that I did very often, but if I ever needed it, at least that, that was there for me. So I could take those chances. Well,
1: there's going to be some people watching this or listening to this in the St. Louis area. So, you know, let them know about your school.
0: Uh, yeah. Uh, I run a wrestling school in St. Louis and if anybody's in that area or even close, you might've heard of the Lent brewery, uh, every year they have like, um, the haunted houses and stuff. But anyway, yeah. it's in that, in that lent brewery there, there's, uh, some industrial spaces and we rent one out and we have a training class. So if you're interested in being a pro wrestler, you can, you know, follow me on Twitter at Michael Elgin 25 or email me, email me at Elgin bookings at gmail.com. And, uh, Come see if you want to be a pro wrestler. And
1: here's the thing: there's a lot of people that are watching this that are listening to this that want to be pro wrestlers. You got to go to a school where someone's actually been there. Yes, that that's someone's a big actually, thing. You know, had a cup of coffee there. Like. And and you know, I find
0: that something where I definitely have trained students from the ground up, and that's my favorite because they don't ever have any bad habits. <laughs> but I am a school where a lot of people have had prior training from somebody that might not know as much as i do or, or gotten you know the opportunities that i've had end up coming to train with me to further their training because they see some of those students that I trained from the ground up out there and getting opportunities that they haven't gotten yet yeah. and that's just because you know everybody teaches in a different style not to downplay any other schools um but obviously in any aspects of life there is better better schools than not Sure. Of course, right? What's the
1: biggest mistake that you see from someone who's been trained somewhere else? um, I hate to say it as a mistake. I I like to
0: look at it as... Like a teachable um, moment. Yeah, like, like my big thing is there's optimal ways of doing things. And a lot of the prior training I see out of people, they don't have the optimal ways of doing those things. They have a very basic understanding. And sometimes that basic understanding comes from so far in the past Uh, that it doesn't adapt to today's wrestling. So there's a lot of little changes like when wrestlers do stuff back in the day. Simple holes that we do now were very over-exaggerated, for instance. And that over-exaggeration doesn't fit in 2019 Mm. because now everybody knows the origins of what pro wrestling is. Back then, you got to think about it. I mean, when UFC came out in 1993,
1: was it? I think so. I was like,
0: "What is this?" But for real, because you didn't know, and you you had heard that pro wrestling came from real sport. But even then, like, I mean, I knew if somebody said, "Yeah, this hold in pro wrestling came from judo," I was like, "I've heard of judo before," but I had no clue what judo was. And now we live in a time where everybody knows what that is, of course, because of the popularity of of mixed martial arts now everybody knows what jiu-jitsu is what karate is what what judo is um even more so amateur wrestling i mean i remember when my school got amateur wrestling in whatever year it was i was grade seven so i would have been like 11 and i was like oh, wrestling of course i want to do this no clue what it was <laughs> yeah, <me> too. <laughs> but it was wrestling and i loved pro wrestling so i was like i, I gotta do this but now everybody knows what that is so doing those over exaggerations that were formerly there in pro wrestling don't fit nowadays Mm. and as you said i've been very lucky and fortunate you know i was in ring of honor when they were had really really great shows and and a lot of steam and it's not that they don't have great talent or great shows now i just feel that then you know your kevin steens your champ your Chompas, your adam cole's i was in that platform of people with ring of honor so there's so many eyes on it that I got in in the in the mix of things and then I went to New Japan before AJ left, before, you know, the club right. left, before Shinsuke left, before Kenny left. So, I've been able to wrestle all these people and learn from some of the best in the world that now I can pass that on to my students and I'm in a position where not a lot of people that run schools are in.
1: That's so true. Did you have a point in your career where you were like WWE is what I want to do?
0: You know what? Maybe before 95 okay, Before yes. you started wrestling So sure. Yes Because uh, 95 I, I started watching Japanese wrestling Prior to that 1992 My friend got a satellite dish You probably remember Canada was only Like a WWF territory Yes If you turn on TV You couldn't find anything But WWF yeah. If you're a wrestling fan Yeah And in 92 My friend got a satellite And he got a WCW pay-per-view And they had used Hase Hashimoto Dr. Dusty Williams And Terry Gordy And it was just so much different than anything I saw. Like, it was so much different. I was like, this looks real. Like, I think, I still kind of think wrestling is real because I'm six or seven. (laughs) But this looks so much different than what I'm watching. There's no showmanship. It just looks like a fight. And I was obsessed with it. So in the next couple years, we started getting catalogs of Japanese pro wrestling tapes and we start buying tapes. And then I was just infatuated with, with Japanese wrestling and even then I was like you know WF would be cool but I really want to go to Japan Wow! and then I started wrestling training and Ring of Honor was the big thing and that same friend that got a satellite dish I told him that one day I would be a Ring of Honor world champion so like I kind of yeah I really did like wow. you can literally go back and ask him and I said like Ring of Honor is great I remember we sat there we watched uh, Daniels, Loki and Danielson the first Main event of the first show And I was blown away by it It was unlike anything I'd ever seen And I said I'm gonna wrestle there And I'm gonna be their champion I didn't say that Right then The champion The champion came a little bit later Because they didn't have The championship the first show But I said I wanted to wrestle there And then when they brought A championship in um, I remember seeing Loki lose it To John Xavier And I was like I'm gonna be Ring of Honor champion one day So like I kind of had set it out That like I wanted to go to Ring of Honor I wanted to wrestle in Japan And it would be cool To make it to the WWE one day But like that wasn't what my main goal was. My main focus was as I said go back to me ring of honor in Japan had that similarity of they focused on the sport and the athleticism of what i love and that's what i like, you know. I, I mean it's great to be able to talk, it's a great to be able to wear flashy stuff and and do, you know, storylines and stuff like that, but to me, you know, the true art form and the true beauty of pro wrestling comes from the athleticism that's in the ring to to make people think differently about pro wrestling even though when they know what it is if I can for one second make them think like man this pro wrestling stuff I, I know maybe uh maybe it's not like mixed martial arts but when Big Mike does it it looks like he's really hurting people to me that's a huge compliment yeah that makes me feel like I'm doing my job and that's just I like watching that as a kid like I just said Dr Death and Terry Gordy I thought they were killing people I was like this is a fight. That attracted yeah. me, so that same attraction is what I want people to feel when they watch me. Well, you have a
1: crazy intensity in the ring.
0: And I, you know what? I, I really, really say that that's solely from watching Japanese wrestling. Wow. And I say that because, one, if you watch who my favorite wrestler of all time is Kenta Kabashi. If you watch him, I often, even my class, will pull up a picture of Kenta Kabashi, just him standing there in the ring. And I say, what do you think he's feeling right now? And they always answer correctly because through his body language, you can tell what he's feeling. Wow. And there's nobody else in the pictures; it's just him. You know, it's a solo shot of him, and let's say his his opponents over in the corner or whatever. Yeah. You only see him in the middle of the ring. And I say, "What is he doing right now?" Oh, he's angry. Or like, "What is he doing right now?" Always oh, hurt. I'm mm-hmm. like, "That's that's what pro wrestling is. It's a body language, it's a facial expression that shows people what you're feeling in that moment." Yeah. So that plus um. <clears throat> between the ages of eight and 14, never heard of lick of Japanese in my life. And they're only speaking Japanese. So all I can tell is what they're showing me with their body language. That's true. So that intensity is something that I really was drawn to because I did not understand a word that they were saying when they were talking backstage. I didn't understand a word during (laughs) commentary. So I just had to feel what they were feeling through their body language. And that's really what brought it out to me.
1: So talk to me about the culture shock when you get to Japan. Obviously, you know some of the other wrestlers might speak English, but the country as a whole must be so different Yeah, see and I've been asked this question so
0: many times and of course things are different but the culture shock wasn't there for me for the simple reason that like Before I ever went I was like I want to wrestle in Japan. I love Japan because I wanted to wrestle there, I would I would like look up things in Japan. So you so I spoke kinda, a
1: little bit of Japanese? Not
0: really spoke. I could understand a little bit. I still can't really speak very well in the Japanese. And the only reason is over there, it's hard to find somebody who's super fluent in both Japanese and English to learn from. Back home, I would be gone there so long that when I come home, I just want to be with my wife and kid that it's hard to get a tutor. So like I know to speak a little bit. And then I can understand a lot more than I can speak. But just like even that, because I was so engulfed with the wrestling aspect, like I, I'm a weird creature. And what I mean by that is we go there and if I'm over on that tour with a bunch of other foreigners, they're like, oh, we're going to check out this castle today. I'm like, ah, I got to go to the gym and come back and watch some matches because we have a match tonight and I want to get some. I just want to be in the group. And they're like, you're in Japan. I'm like, yeah, you know. I'll come to Japan one year When I don't have to wrestle And check all that stuff out
1: Student of the game
0: Yeah like And and that's just Who I am And what I do Like this morning I woke up And did an hour of cardio At 7am Here at the hotel And like I put some wrestling on my phone And just watched (laughs) that For the hour While I did my cardio And that's just I feel that Being a wrestler And being at a high level you have to do this 24-7. What did you watch this morning? Well, I watched Fuji against Miyahara at the <laughs> yes. uh, All Japan uh, Champion Carnival 2018. And then I watched uh, a recent tag from um, Big Japan, which was Okabayashi and Irie
1: against the Astronauts. Yep. So how do you call a match with someone Who doesn't speak the same language as you uh,
0: Wrestling is a universal language It is yes. but
1: it, That's the
0: best way I can put it
1: So when you say clothesline Do they understand They understand that? but there's body languages
0: And like we have a weird thing Like if I lift my foot up but I'm my sides to you And I do this I know it's a super kick Sure Or if, you, if I lift my foot up straight and do this I know it's a, a kick kick and if I go, oh, I'll form you, as soon as I do that, it's like we understand. So like that's where it becomes a universal language because we are all kind of have our weird body language as we talk stuff. You know, It's like as a wrestler, if you ever find yourself in a locker room or something, you'll see people doing that. It's yes. kind of like it's yes. our own little thing. It's like a body language. It's like, ah, oh, you know, I'll do this, and then you know that or this What, you, or that, what if you have a and, big spot, though? Like- it's, I don't know how to explain it. It's just <laughs> I've never had a communication issue between Mexico, Japan,
1: uh how do you never, tell someone what your finisher is because it's like you got to set them up for it obviously
0: yeah i just say uh i
1: do he speak like really
0: slowly and yeah. like, ah, you know power bomb and just motion it and as i said that's where it comes wow. in the body language is like as soon as i can do this and pick them up like this they're like oh yeah yeah i know like it's just It's a universal language And we always have this weird Like body language thing we do When we talk about What we're gonna do And everybody understands it It is And
1: you you touched on it there It's the funniest thing When you're backstage At a wrestling show Whether it's Impact Whether it's an indie show Whatever It's just two guys That are okay And then Yeah
0: yeah 100% like, doing this weird Dance to each and other And when you're really Familiar with somebody You're like not even Saying full words And you're not even Like doing full body language It's like <laughs> ah you know I'll do like this one And then maybe that one Like you're just It's like half ass But you totally understand what the other person is saying when you
1: wrestle <laughs> each other a bunch of times, yeah, it's 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 a it's a crazy thing. How much has changed for you professionally uh, since becoming a father?
0: You know, um, the the biggest thing is that I don't wrestle for myself anymore. I wrestle for my son. You know what I mean by that is I'm even more driven to have great matches so that maybe he. Is a wrestling fan and wants to appreciate that i was a wrestler or maybe he wants to be a wrestler and if i'm a very talented performer then he's going to you know maybe want advice from me if i'm at the top of my game um and any opportunities i get you know i went to japan recently and it was a big match for a different company outside of new japan and they made like a t-shirt just for that soul match and everything like that so like being a top guy here and being at the front and center of the pay-per-view t-shirt like i get to get that and put it away for when he's older and stuff like that so i think that's the biggest thing is like i really just focus on wrestling for my son and uh it really stops i was never like a big ever i shouldn't say that ever since probably 2010 when i really started making a living and and trying to trying to get into a better position at Ring of Honor. I wasn't really a drinker or anything like that, but um, even those rare occasions where we'd go out and have a couple of drinks, I really, well, I'll go out with the boys, but I won't want to spend money on drinks and stuff. So those are the two biggest career-wise is, you know, when you're on the road, you're kind of a little bit more like, I don't need that here, I don't need that yeah, here. Yeah. And then my performances, I think, I want this to stand the test of the time so that my son can be proud of me growing up.
1: Does your time management now have to change since you have a family uh you know yes and no and
0: as i said i'm a very like goal oriented person so like my time management was always like okay when do i eat when do i work out when do i sleep i mean look at you when do i get on the road right so that's always been been that way and my wife luckily she used to wrestle and understands that and she also is a, a very avid gym goer. So it's not a struggle to be like, hey, you know, I'm going to go to the gym for two hours. I'll be back. You know, she's like, yeah, no problem. When you get back, can I go? Like, yeah. Dude, no, do pr- you work out I- for two hours? At least. Yeah, usually. So oh. my, my day, my days are when I'm get to be home are usually pretty similar. Okay. So it's 530. My alarm goes off. I get up in the car as soon as possible, get to the gym, and do an hour of cardio.
1: And this is fasted cardio.
0: Yeah, fasted cardio. Uh, then from the gym, I go to tanning. I tan. Uh, I get home, and I usually try to fast until one. Right you tan now, every day. Yeah, yeah, every day at spray like seven a.m. Yeah. No, no, I tan tan. Too. Oh, really? Yeah, this spray tan is just for pay per view tomorrow. Okay. Uh, but I tan every day, and again, I don't need to. But like, when I grew up, wrestlers were. This is the routine. Jacked. They were tanned. You know what I mean? Like, that was just wrestling to me. And, And not to downplay anything. I know there's a lot of conversations about how wrestlers should look and stuff. And I'm not against somebody being smaller. I'm not against somebody being chubby. I'm not against somebody. If you're talented, you're talented. Right. But for me personally, the wrestling that I love is like watching 1989 British Bulldogs in Japan just come out all jack and tan. I'm like, these guys look like freaks in the best kind of way. So like, that's just my routine. And then, you know, I get home and, and if it's my son only goes to school three days a week right now. So if he's home, we play all day. If not, I'll go to the gym before I, before I even eat my first meal I I'll, don't I'll, you know get some stuff ready back to the gym Yeah so I'll get some stuff <laughs> ready around around 10 I'll go back to the gym cuz when I'm right now with intermittent fasting my first meal is 1pm so if he's at school Mondays Wednesdays and Fridays if I'm home on a Friday definitely Mondays and Wednesdays I'll go to the gym around 10 finish up around one and then i'll have my shake and then i'll start my eating for the day and then the rest of the day is just hanging out with them so So that's like every day
1: you're eating windows one to nine yeah so an eight eight hour window yeah wow but i eat a lot in (laughs) in eight hours. but here's the thing there's a lot of people that are doing intermittent fasting and they think during that window they can eat pizza and chicken wings and burgers like you're eating somewhat healthy stuff yeah so like if i
0: lift fasted i'll eat You know a quote-unquote cheat meal after the workout so if it's a day where i didn't train lift fasted then it's just straight like regular food so for instance the fridge in the hotel here i got uh ground turkey and green beans ground turkey green beans and rice some chicken and some rice and some chicken so like that's my normal kind of yeah okay but then for instance today i lifted chest fasted and i wanted some cheeseburgers after so, like, I grab some cheeseburgers because I, I just did an hour of cardio. Then I went and trained chest. It's okay to have those extra calories then. Right. But, as I said, that might be twice a week when I do lift weights
1: fasted. Other than that, it's strictly healthy. The first time I had seen you <coughs> again, I mean, I'd seen you a lot through your career, but saw you again was when you debuted for Impact. And I thought, my God, like, you're shredded now. You were always a big dude, built like a powerlifter yep. or a linebacker. But now you're, like, shredded. What was the change there? The big
0: change was uh, keto and starting to train more like a bodybuilder
1: than a powerlifter. So is it one body part a day?
0: Yeah. um, And and, and it mixes like one body part a day. Um, Sometimes if I felt like I needed a body part twice a week, I would throw it in with something. For instance, let's say my shoulders are – I don't like the way my shoulders are building. Maybe I'll do chest and shoulders and then – back and biceps legs and then i'll go back to shoulders you know what i mean so i try to keep it like that um and i was doing i would only take a day off if i was sore so i had a six day routine which was you know chest back legs shoulders arms deadlifts and then legs again so i'd hit legs twice a week and sometimes day seven would be off but if i felt rested and felt good i would just start back to day one right there so i just changed like the way i lifted and what i lifted and uh went on keto and keto was great for me
1: for for that what made you decide you needed a change
0: uh i knew that i wanted to move my career from japan to the united states and in japan it's like the bigger you are whether you're lean or not is kind of cool um and in the states is a little different you know um and a little different of in japan you go over there and you're a really thick guy uh, you're different You're a really thick Foreigner You're different you, You're here And especially even in wrestling There's a lot of dudes Who are just big dudes Who wrestle Or look on the street You know You go to the Middle of nowhere Tennessee There's 16 farm boys In the crowd That uh, sure. that are big Thick white boys You know what I mean And it's just I, would, I needed a different look If I wanted to really Focus back in the In the United States and So America.
1: how long Do you think it took To kind of Start to achieve The look you were going for You know what uh this is gonna sound like real cocky but like
0: i remember it was march of 2018 and i said you know what i'm gonna change and i went i had like three months off of japan and i went back and i was shredded and everybody's like what the, what, what, what happened <laughs> i go oh, i just did keto and train differently and uh it was so, it was like three months ish wow. that really transformed my body. But Man. again, when I was powerlifting, I would eat so many carbs. Like, I mean, every meal would be rice or potatoes, or I'd make like wheat pancakes or something. There was always such heavy carbs, and being on that for so long, and then going to where you're really depleting the carbs and even with the keto like I didn't do oh I need fats I'm going to have some slices of bacon it was like I need some fats I'll have some fish I'll have some avocado or some nuts or or something like that rather so than going to like the old style of of Atkins which was like I can eat a pound of bacon and I'm not (laughs) going to gain any body weight because it's just fat so I was eating healthy fats and everything and it really worked
1: (laughs) with all the matches you've had in your career are there still people you want to work with
0: yeah you know um Tomorrow is actually a really big one for me. I've, I've really wanted to wrestle Mar Fuji, and it goes back to that love of Japanese wrestling, and really that love of um, Noah and Ring of Honor when they were working together. Mar Fuji, I remember everybody was kind of big on the kenta bandwagon, and I was like, "Nah, man, Mar Fuji's the one." <laughs> and uh, I was supposed to wrestle him in 2013 for Ring of Honor, and he had gotten hurt before he was supposed to come uh, for that show. So I never got to wrestle him. So he was like the one that was kind of floating there. Um, The other one was Sakimoto, and I just wrestled him in Big Japan in August. And right now, the one that's gotten away was Kota Ibushi. Like, we both have been wanting to wrestle each other. Um, As a matter of fact... Um, there was a pitched idea for myself Kenny and Ibushi to have a three-way at Wrestle Kingdom Wow and for whatever reason they didn't want to do it because Ibushi really wanted to wrestle me and Kenny had always liked wrestling me So we we're like, oh we got to have this three-way like it would be insane You know and there's not a lot of three ways in New Japan Yeah, and then the three of us who understand three ways and can do all this crazy stuff. It's gonna be awesome So like right now, I think like a at. that
1: that's top. possible. That's totally possible. It, it, it-
0: it is, but it isn't. And it isn't because I've left New Japan and he's kind of strict New Japan. He doesn't really do a lot outside of New Japan. So that's where it is possible, but I don't see it possible in the near future. Right. So that's
1: So you have a lot of control over your character and what you do with Impact?
0: Yes. Yeah. Uh, I've heard
1: a lot of people say that that's the reason they really enjoy Impact.
0: Yeah, I enjoy that too. And like, I don't mind, like if I'm Michael Elgin and they give me an idea and it's good towards who Michael Elgin is. It's great, but like, I just, I can't. I've been wrestling for sixteen years. I'm comfortable with who I am, and not that I don't like to be out of my comfort zone because I do. You know that that kind of I think that makes you excel at what you do if you're out of your comfort zone. But what I mean by that is I know who I am, and if I know who I am, I can show other people who I am. Right. But if you give me something that I don't really think I am, and I try to. Be that it doesn't come out as like oh he's that it's like he's michael elgin playing that
1: and yeah, that's yeah. not
0: relatable to anybody yeah. so i think it's great here because they know who michael elgin is they know the michael elgin that i've become over years of experience years of trial and error and anything that they do have to say to me is to help me be a better michael elgin not be who they want me to be
1: right where did unbreakable come from
0: Um, Honestly, I was uh, the Canadian Crazy Horse, and I went to Ring of Honor, and Jim Cornette didn't like the the nickname. And he's like, he had a list of nicknames, and they were all shitty. And I was like, (laughs) these suck. Like, let me think of something. And I just started, like, thinking what would be cool, what would be cool, and I was, like, flipping through the channels as I was thinking of names, and the the movie Unbreakable was on. I was like, Unbreakable? Wait, no, that would be a pretty sweet, like, Nickname for pro wrestling, like, let's do that. So that's That great. was it? Yeah. Wow. Like, and it, I was forced to think of something quick because, like, well, you can't be kidding yourself. We need to give you something else. And here's a list of nicknames. I was like, this is, like – like, Tell it's us like, one of the nicknames I can't that. even remember, but it was like you, – You ever hear, like, Stone Cold, like, yes. talking about that, yeah. like, the same thing? And then his wife said Stone Cold, and he was like, oh, that's much better than the bullshit that they're giving me. It was, like, the exact <laughs> same situation. Um, they were just terrible. I wish I had the list somewhere – Cause it was God awful. And like, (laughs) and I think, and I don't, and and it's not even that I don't think he's creative or, or was creative at that time. You know, I, I just think it was one of those things where like, we need to change his nickname. Let's just put a bunch of nicknames down. Like, I think that's just what happens in wrestling. I think if people actually sat and thought about those type of nicknames that they give people to pick from, they'd be like, oh, these suck. Like, even they would think they suck. <laughs> but it's time like a, a time crunch thing. Like, it's Monday and TV's Friday. Like, we need him a new nickname by Friday. Let's just yeah, yeah. write down whatever we see and pitch it to him. And hopefully he likes one of them. But I really think if it was like, okay, we got six months to come up with this. And then they look at that first draft, they'd be like, what? Was I thinking? Because he's yeah. so terrible. Because there's no way people can actually think. Of any well, of when
1: you're important. breaking into the business and you're trying to come up with a ring name to begin with, you've got months and months and months to yeah, figure it exactly,
0: out. Exactly, exactly. So you kind of hammer out. And true story, I had maybe an hour to figure out my name. Why? Because I had like been playing with names, but then you find out like you can't wrestle till you're eighteen, and I'm sixteen, and I'm thinking like. Oh, I got plenty of time. Yeah, I like, got figure two this years. Out. Yeah, like I got plenty of time. Then I go to Michigan at sixteen, and all of a sudden I'm booked. And I'm like, "What's your wrestling?" I'm like, "Uh," and I but did. Your real uh, name's Aaron. Real name's Aaron.
1: That's not a bad middle. Name. Middle
0: name is Michael.
1: Okay. Street
0: I grew up on was Elgin Street. <laughs>
1: this is like the porn star yes, name thing. But that's, that's <laughs> all that came
0: in my head, and I'm like, "Oh wait, it actually kind of sounds good together." Like I feel if I say Michael Elgin, and maybe it's just because I've been saying it for sixteen years, but when I say Michael Elgin, like it doesn't sound like a made up name.
1: No, it's a great name. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: So it doesn't sound like a made up name, even though it is. So I like the the sound of it. And it just kind of like flows together, but totally was like a last minute decision.
1: I'm sure more people call you Mike or Michael than they call you
0: Aaron. 100%. Like my wife, and that's probably it. (laughs) Oh, and her family. But other than that, like nobody, like obviously my son calls me dad. So, like, nobody calls me Aaron. I kind of get confused when people say it sometimes. Yeah, like so funny. Like I will be walking in public like outside of wrestling and somebody says the name Mike and I'm like looking around like who's calling me? Like you just so ingrained in you to yeah. be that,
1: you know? When you're walking around in quote unquote real life built like this, what do people think you do for a living?
0: Uh I, I'm I'm constantly asked if I'm doing like bodybuilding
1: shows. Okay. Mostly.
0: Yeah.
1: Um what do you walk around at weight wise?
0: Right now I'm sitting about two fifty. It's sick, <laughs> yeah. It's, it, I feel like... comfortable here, you know. Man, I one time, like before I really started cut up, I was at like 290. Like, I remember oh. I was like, hey, let's just bulk up and see how big I can get. We're and like it was, the same height, I can't imagine weighing that it was much. I was like, I remember it was, I wrestled Ishii and it was uh, New Japan Cup 2018, and I was so like, just a barrel because I was just like, I'm gonna get as big as I can, like, I'm in Japan, let's just get huge, and I was like 295. And then after that was when I had some months off. I'm like, I don't think I can sit at 2.95 anymore. Like,
1: it hurts, man. (laughs) I get out of breath climbing stairs. (laughs) But Which
0: is weird because, like, I could wrestle, never feel tired. But normal activities, like, if I go into a building and the elevator was broke, it was like... Okay, like, there's got to be another way or we got to find somewhere else to go because I cannot not walk up these three flights of stairs to where we're going right now. <laughs> so but, like, wrestling was fine. Cardio at the gym, fine. But, like, walking upstairs and, like, if you told me, like, I had to walk from here to the gas station, I'm like, no. Like, is theres there is – there, $8 soda in the lobby Because I'd
1: rather pay $8 for a soda Than walk to the store So so bodybuilder Probably football player
0: I never really get Football player Which what? is strange Yeah I never ever get that I always get bodybuilder um, And then when I, I Say wrestler They're like Oh yeah I was thinking That too Which obviously they weren't But like it makes sense When they actually think About wrestling sure. And I think that Just comes from like You don't often Meet pro wrestlers Like I, I tell my students That sometimes Like Or even when I talk about my career, I'm like, nobody really believed that I was ever going to make it in wrestling. And it's not that they didn't have faith in me as a friend or as a family member. It was just like a normal family growing up doesn't know a pro wrestler. So if I said at eight, like, oh, I want to play in the NHL, like, they might be like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. Like, we know a bunch of hockey players. Like, that's a possibility. Right. But you don't tell somebody – especially in Canada, like, oh, I'm going to be a professor And they're like, oh, yeah, freaking build down the street. He's a wrestler. Like, I get it. Like, they just don't know. Right. So you don't understand. Like, I remember, you know, getting married and moving to St. Louis and my family coming down and I bought my wife a van with cash. And um, they're like, can you afford this? I'm like, uh, yeah, like wrestling is doing good. Yeah. But still in their minds, it's like this bullshit until you get a real job. You know, now they're starting to understand. This was a, a few years ago, but nobody fully understands what pro wrestling is, and, and that it can be a job and a career. Um, because you know, it's like watching a movie to most people. You know, the, yeah. these guys are actors and larger than life. Yeah. You don't think that somebody you grew up with down the street is going to do that, even though even as weird as as I said, because I, I, I think they look at it more as a as a an act
1: in Hollywood more so than a NHL, NFL, NBA, yeah. you know what I mean? I think the, the thing that I always say is if someone else is doing something you want to do, that just means there's a path to get there yeah, for you. Yeah, of course,
0: of course. Uh, but as I said, I just think it's just so out of the norm that people are used to. Like, it's pretty normal growing up and knowing a kid who plays hockey and has aspirations to be a pro hockey player. It's yeah. pretty normal yeah. uh, to be, you know, in somewhere that I'm from Canada, you're from Canada, so f- like talking about somebody going to NFL like that's just not something we no, talk about in Canada. Does not it's it's hockey, no. sometimes basketball, never but football. Like, like, very rarely baseball. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like you grow up with people playing these sports and it's kind of normal for somebody growing up and those sports being in schools everywhere of those people saying they want to do that when they grow up. But when somebody who wants to be a pro wrestler, when there's no pro wrestling in high school, like, I mean, you can in the, in, in the gymnasium when nobody's watching, but yeah, yeah, (laughs) but you know what I mean? But you're just, there's no kind of like pro wrestling clubs that people understand and talk about and are familiar with that when you're 10, 11, 12 and telling people you're going to be a pro wrestler, like the rock or whatever. They're like, Oh, sure you are. It's you know changing
1: I mean? now. Yes. But I, I, I totally do. Know but at that mean. time,
0: it was like, it was unheard of. Like yeah. nobody thought that you could turn wrestling into something. Like there's people that I used to work with, like in restaurants when I was like 14 and I'll go back to visit my family. And be like, Oh, I just saw you on TV. Like, that's crazy that you turned that into like something. i was like, I'm,
1: been talking about it my whole life it's also like you just never believe it there's a real big difference between like you're playing hockey growing up and hockey in the nhl it's still hockey yes there's a massive difference between going to the legion hall down the street or the church down the street to watch pro wrestling and then watching the wwe like there's a massive gap between it a a huge gap but i just
0: think that like even at that time like i'm talking like when i was younger younger like it wasn't even really wrestling in legions and if there was unless you knew somebody who was wrestling you didn't hear about it like my first indie show I lucked out that I was like driving home with my mom and I was 11 years old and I saw a poster on a thing and I was like Wait! Stop! 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 Mom's like, "What? We're in." Tra-. I'm like, "No! No! Pull! Pull over! Pull over!" Like there was a, there was this wrestling poster. She's like, "All right, what are you talking about?" I'm like there was a wrestling poster over there, and I went, and it was like beside the Oshawa Civic Auditorium. It was like on that same street. I'm like, "There's a wrestling show here at 7 p.m. Like I gotta go." She's like, "And what year was okay. this?" When I was 11, so two. Fuck!
1: I can't even think. 90. <laughs> 90- Eight wow. I didn't know maybe. that indie wrestling existed. Right, yeah, yeah. That's till, what I mean. Till 2000. See, you didn't know. With AWF. But, but
0: that's what I mean. Like you just didn't know. Yeah. And it was like something out of Buffalo, and the main event was like tugboat <laughs> yeah, against yeah. somebody. But you didn't know, and I just lucked out of seeing that poster. So that's what I mean. Like yeah. at that time that I was growing up. It's also even the Legion Hall. Yeah, yeah. It. So like the 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 Legion Hall wrestling that is spoken about, you really didn't even know about. Yeah, you know, like that. I just lucked out seeing that, and then getting in wrestling like firsthand, seeing people put up posters and stuff. But like, it was a real like. Even wrestling fans watching TV, they wouldn't know yeah. that there was a local yeah. wrestling fan, but I was just the one that saw that
1: poster and was like, this is insane. i got to go see this. So, Well, since you're from Canada and I'm from Canada, as we wrap this up, who do you think is the best wrestler to come out of Canada? Ever? Ever. Or maybe we could make a Canadian Mount Rushmore like I did with Ethan Page. Okay. <laughs> A Um, lot of thought into this Yeah because So if we have a Mount Rushmore You can have four Yes
0: yes I'm trying to think Of who's made Like obviously there's your own hearts Your Bret Hart's Stuff like that Um. So Bret Hart for sure Okay There
1: we go One
0: Um, Now I would say Whipper Billy Watson. That was like the first real Canadian wrestler that I remember reading about before I was like before I before I really learned about the past. That was like the first name I heard because he was unrecognized NWA champion and stuff like that and he was from Canada. Okay. So he would he would definitely be on there. Um I would have to say Owen Hart too. Like okay. Owen Hart was fantastic. And that last spot is like up in the air because you can go in so many different directions. Yeah, like it's it's like I might have to say Jericho, and the reason why I say that is just because like he's still going at a high rate in a new company that's making waves, and like just the longevity of what he's produced mm-hmm. adds in so much. Um, but then there's like a guy like Edge who is who's great too that
1: you got to put on, and then like, you can make a case for Dynamite Kids, yeah, if, of course. But is
0: is he considered Canadian? Isn't he? Uh, No. I mean, I think he's considered English, but he had ties to Canada. But then, like, for just in-ring wrestling, and uh, if anybody's watching and takes this offensive, I'm sorry, because I know what happened to end his life and his family's life has tainted thinking back on him. But Crispin Wall was a great in-ring performer, but you really can't put him on that. Because of what it happened after, so like there's a lot of debate with a lot of people. So that number four spot is like really different, difficult. Well, to fill. the
1: the point of all this is, look how much great wrestling's come out of Canada. There's
0: there's tremendous yeah. wrestling coming out of Canada, including me, Big Mike. I like to think so, but see, this is another thing that I remember Tiger Tory saying to me. He goes, "Man, you you Canadians different, man." I go, "What are you talking about, Tiger?" He's like, "You guys all wrestle like Japanese boys." I go, what? what? He goes, yeah, that Canadian style, nice stiff, man. You guys good. So, like, I think it just goes back to, like, we're taught differently in Canada. I don't know if somehow everybody is the of the dungeon somehow. Because, like, they're <laughs> known for that style. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the people who succeed from Canada have that Smash Mouth style. Like, I mean, like, even Ethan Page, you know, we j- you just brought him up. Even though he is very much a character like his wrestling is real crisp and like he looks like he's real you know he's believable Mm -hmm. and then you got guys like josh alexander who is you know cut from the same cloth as me um and if you really think about like the top canadian guys we all have that that one factor that looks like we're really trying to hurt people and i don't know why that is (laughs) and it's not that we are hurting people it's just that that's just like something that comes out of canada your kylo reilly's was very similar to that you know what i mean like yeah all of our stuff just looks different i don't know why that comes i don't know if it's just because we're from canada and we look like that that's what we get out because i'm sure not everybody in canada is like that but the people who end up really making a go at this from canada have a very like a very similar style stuff
1: well, I appreciate the time today.
0: No problem, and I'm Thank so you.
1: pumped for uh, you know your your impact runs really just getting started. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, and it's uh I've had a blast here, and uh, hopefully you know there's more to come. So I appreciate you. No, no problem.
1: Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. There you go, Big Mike, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you enjoyed this chat, if you found it interesting or intelligent or inspiring or can't think of another word that starts with i but you know what i mean Uh, if you (laughs) if you liked it share it with a friend take a screenshot tag me tag michael algin on twitter or instagram and honestly it's pretty cool because once we click the upload button and it just shoots off into the world into the worldwide internets uh it's really cool to get some feedback from you um so it's nice to you know know that we're not just in this alone talking to microphones in an empty hotel room which is you know where most of these interviews occur um Elgin's such a monster in the ring, and he wrestles with this incredible intensity, not just in his moves, but um, the next time you watch one of his matches, pay attention to his facial expressions, like some of the best facial expressions in the business. And you'll remember this next time you see one of his matches, whether you know it just happens to be on or on impact, or you actually seek one of his matches out. And I like how he talked about his daily routine and why that's so important to him. And I think for all of us, no matter what you do in your life, your daily routine really defines who you are and if you're making progress in your life or if you're staying stagnant. And I think that this quote, you know, I always leave you with a quote and I appreciate the the feedback from you guys on these quotes. I know a lot of them have, you know, spoken to you directly. Uh, But this this quote from John C. Maxwell uh, spoke to me and I'm sure it'll speak to you. You'll never change your life until you change something you do daily. The secret of your success is found in your daily routine. And that is so true. No matter what you are, no matter what you do, no matter how old you are, that's a damn fact right there. Thanks for listening. Subscribe, like, share this, and we will see you next week. Maybe it'll be on a Thursday. Maybe these will drop every single Thursday. I don't know. Let me know on Twitter. Let me know on Instagram. Boom. We'll talk to you soon.